1: Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm going to continue with the theme we're doing on Spain and uh, obviously war reporting that um, I've been talking about recently and look at as these two things meet, um, war reporting journalism and writing in Spain from 1936 to 1939. Now obviously a number of names spring to light here. George Orwell and Ernest Hemingway being the most important ones. Um, but obviously there is there's a kind of a slew of uh, literary and uh, intellectual figures who uh, are engaged with uh, Spain uh, either on the ground in Spain or uh, speaking out about Spain from Great Britain, the USA, uh, Australia um, and the rest of Europe. Spain acts like a, a lightning rod for uh, debates and struggles that had been ongoing since the end of the First World War. For volunteers from Britain, America and beyond, it was a place to take on uh, fascism. And those uh, young men and women who went to Spain, uh, many of whom who had been uh, deeply affected by the Great Depression believed that they had a cause they could fight for. As a result, the Spanish Civil War, far beyond the confines of Spain, arises powerful emotions, um, and not just on the left. Um, there is a, a very eminent uh, Welsh historian, R.A. Stradling, who wrote uh, about um, the Welsh volunteers who went to Spain and not all not all of them went to fight against Franco. There was a small minority of people who believed that the spanish struggle really really was a struggle against communism but because of the intense passions and interests aroused by the Spanish Civil War, there was an immense amount to be written about it and an uh, immense amount of coverage in national and regional newspapers uh, in great britain the u s a and beyond. So this is uh, one of the reasons why it becomes uh, fertile ground for journalists to cover. And in Spain, of course, both sides see uh, the war in Manichaean terms, in a a battle between good and evil, light and dark. Both sides see what they are doing as a crusade. George Orwell wrote, it is, um, in essence, it is a class war. If it had been won, the cause of the common people everywhere would have been strengthened. It was lost, and the dividend drawers all over the world rubbed their hands. And this Manichaean worldview, this uh, black and white struggle, uh, was uh, aided, the the, the perception of it uh, being a Manichaean struggle, uh, was aided by the intervention, obviously, of Hitler and Mussolini on one side and Stalin on the other. Most of the journalists who covered the war uh, were in favour of the Republic, in fact almost all of them, and there were few impartial figures uh, amongst the press. Uh, The great investigative reporter Martha Gellhorn said, We just knew that Spain was the place to stop fascism. This was it. It was one of those moments in history when there was no doubt. And many of the correspondents in Spain um, adopted the view that the generals uh, and the insurrection was so monstrous, um, their crimes so heinous, that an official impartiality was actually a kind of a fraudulent dishonesty, the idea that both sides should be treated as simply uh, equivalence, that one could have no professional inclination towards one way or another. Well, a a higher um, sense of humanity and uh, a belief that the republic's cause was just and democratic and fair uh, won the day with nearly all uh, all correspondents. There was an immense fascination uh, for writers and journalists in the international brigades. Uh, the classic novel For Whom the Bell Tolls by Ernest Hemingway uh, is a, a classic example of this. But uh, Ernest Hemingway, Arthur Kessler, um, George Orwell, Stephen Spender, um, Andre Malraux, uh, a number of uh, leading intellectual and literary figures Came to Spain uh, in this, uh, pursuing this kind of uh, fascination with the International Brigades and this kind of rather romantic uh, vision. The reality for the International Brigades is anything but romantic. It is incredibly hard and difficult. Um, many of the men go hungry. They're poorly equipped, and at the Spanish border, on the Spanish side of the Spanish border, they are given the volunteers are given one last chance to go home if they want to. Once they uh, decline that opportunity, they're under military discipline and can face uh, execution for desertion if they decide uh, that they've had enough. In the modern era, the Spanish Civil War wasn't the first instance where revolution uh, or the defence of revolution... Um, had attracted volunteers and had also attracted romantics and writers. Byron, for example, famously met his end in Greece, going to cover the uh, Greek insurrection uh, against the Ottomans in the 1820s. So the most important journalistic figures in the world made their way to Spain uh, uh, in 1936, And the Republic is delighted with the coverage they get. We're not just talking about writers. For example, Robert Kappa, one of the most important photographers of the 20th century, and his partner, Gerda Taro, uh, both took um, very uh, important, and significant photos um, from the Civil War, such as the, the death of a Republican soldier... Very uh, iconic picture. Gerda Taro herself was killed at the Battle of Brunette um, after impulsively uh, leaping upon the tailboard of a car that was taking uh, wounded men away from the battlefield only for it to collide with a Republican tank. These sorts of uh, accidental deaths and um, deaths from uh, illness, friendly fire. Uh, were um, made up many of the casualties of non-combatants and journalists uh, throughout the war. And the manner of Gerda Taro's death tells us a, a lot about the risks that journalists uh, endured and do endure, um, particularly in an age where the correspondent was not uh, issued with a flak jacket or helmet uh, or given a security detail or part of, a kind of an embedded uh, force uh, as you do find in things like the, the Iraq war. Instead the um, people like Martha Gellhorn and Robert Kappa made their way to Spain on their own initiative um, had very loose um, relationships with newspaper groups as freelance strings and photographers or representatives as Hemingway was as um, a as, uh, of groups of newspapers um, and as a result, correspondence tended to take on far greater levels of uh, risk uh, than would normally be the case in the various writings on Ernest Hemingway in the Spanish Civil War, he becomes across uh, in some ways as an idealistic figure and as an as, 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 as egomaniac who uh, was more interested in self promotion than he was in the cause of the republic um hemingway had been an ambulance driver during the first world war and he was uh, the chairman of the ambulance committee for the american friends of spanish uh, democracy um, and before he took on the rep- the role of being representative of the North American Newspaper uh, Alliance, so he was the chief go to man for American correspondence in Spain. He tended to do things like go to the front line and try to teach um, so- soldiers in the international brigades um, about rifle drill. He was obviously this kind of very masculine, larger than life figure, but one whose interference, whose kind of appearance on the front line was often unwelcome and would normally be uh, accompanied by a photo shoot involving him. So uh, a man who promoted his own career through Spain, One journalist, Claude Cockburn, um, who was the reporter who broke the story of the Cliveden set, um, which was the supposed scandal of uh, aristocrats surrounded uh, Waldorf and Nancy Astor at the country house Cliveden uh, on the eve of the uh, Second World War, along with Times editor Geoffrey Dawson um, and It was supposed, it was suggested, it was implied, no, not even implied, uh, the direct accusation from Cockburn was that these aristocrats were ready to collude with Hitler and cut a deal with the Third Reich in order to preserve the British Empire. Um, They had sympathies uh, towards the Nazis, certainly, and they believed that the Empire would do best by making a deal with Germany, But actually, the Astors and their friends threw themselves into the war effort when war broke out in in 1939. Um, Claude Cockburn was actually in Spain at the time of the outbreak of war, and he joined the Republican militia, um, which was distinct from the international brigades, um, but continued to work as a correspondent for the Daily Worker magazine, a communist newspaper in, in Great Britain. Uh, sorry, I call it a magazine there, newspaper. Um, he believed uh, that correspondents should be allowed to fight, and as a correspondent on the battlefield, was in some way uh, a more kind of honest and reliable uh, witness to the struggle, which he saw in purely Marxist terms, obviously, than a reporter on the sidelines, so to speak. He didn't believe it was morally valid to write from Madrid, which had been uh, defended successfully by 1936, um, write and extorting uh, other young men to come and fight while doing nothing himself. Um, The decision by George Orwell to go to Spain. Even when we're on a budget, we still
0: deserve nice things.
1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Writing for the new Statesman magazine, the, the great periodical of the left in Britain, originally founded by Sydney and Beatrice Webb, um, resulted also in him uh, joining the uh, anarchist Poom. Um, brigade uh, in uh, Barcelona. Arthur Kessler, um, who later became an eminent critic of Stalinism, um, wrote for the London News Chronicle, um, but was at the same time a commenter and agent. And, of course, um, Kim Philby uh, was a journalist for the Times, but this was really simply a cover for his uh, work as a Soviet intelligence agent, Philby was able to get um, quite close to Franco uh, as a result of this, and there are all sorts of apocryphal tales that he was persuaded by the KGB to try to poison uh, Franco, um, probably an inconceivable plan. Uh, but his uh, reporting on Spain is actually really quite. Uh, vivid and insightful stuff, and Philby uh, wrote about colleagues of his uh, whom he saw kind of half an hour earlier, and then um, their car was hit by an artillery shell. How much use to the Soviets he was in practical intelligence terms in Spain? Uh, is unclear. Probably his value in Spain was building up himself a, a legend, a uh, cover, as a, an establishment figure which could later be used for uh, excellent effect uh, during his uh, infiltration of MI6. The member of the press corps who did the most to involve themselves on the uh, Republican side was the uh, American journalist for The Nation magazine, Louis Fisher. Uh, Louis Fisher uh, became a quartermaster for the International Brigades uh, depo at Depot at Albacete, um, and eventually he became an arms purchaser for the Republic itself. So, a job which really uh, helped to control the supply lines of that enabled the Republic to survive. The headquarters of the correspondence was um, the Florida Hotel in Madrid. I believe uh, a new history of the Florida Hotel came out uh, last year. something I'm uh, looking to get my hands on. If there's uh, any publishers listening to this, please send me a copy. I'll review it for you. But the the, uh, Florida Hotel was a a kind of a... The the inhabitants there were like a who's who of international journalism. There was Ernest Hemingway, Martha Gellhorn, Sefton Delmer, who later reported from Nazi Germany... Uh, he wrote for the, um, uh, the Daily Express, um, Antoine de saint um and the uh, hotel was obviously uh, a bastion of Republican support. Herbert Matthews of the New York Times, who uh, was one of the residents at the Hotel Florida, um, said, all of us who lived through the Spanish Civil War felt deeply emotional about it. I always felt the falseness and hypocrisy of those who claimed to be unbiased, and the foolish, if not rank, stupidity of editors and readers who demand objectivity or impartiality of correspondence writing about the war. It was the same old error which readers and editors will always make, and which forever continues to plague the chronicler who, being human, must have his feelings and opinions. In condemning bias, one rejects the only factors which really matter – Honesty, understanding and thoroughness. A reader has a right to ask for all the facts. He has no right to ask that a journalist or historian agree with them. Richard Overy, in his book The Morbid Age, which, by the way, if you haven't read it, you need to read this book. It's an intellectual history of the 20s and 30s. Um, He says that the crises that come before the Spanish Civil War, from uh, the... uh, accession to power of Hitler in January 1933 through to uh, Abyssinia in 35 uh, meant that there was this groundswell of tension amongst the population of the Western world and that the Spanish Civil War sweeps away the ambiguities. The question as to whether war is coming or not is answered with Spain. Yes, it, and certainly the great global struggle with fascism is on. Uh, and the the war with Germany will be following shortly thereafter. He writes, The many ambiguities in the British perception of the crisis were suddenly nakedly exposed by the eruption of civil war in Spain following an abortive coup d'etat launched on the 17th and the 18th of July 1936 by a group of nationalist army officers led by General Francisco Franco, who had by September become the dominant figure in the revolt. So the... Part of the reason for the fascination with Spain was because it answered or seemed to answer so many questions about what was likely to happen next. As many correspondents said, Spain was the place that fascism could be stopped, and if the consequences of it not being stopped... Um, People uh, reading populations and readerships across the Western world and radio audiences uh, didn't want to even contemplate what those consequences could be. Some conflicts to audiences seem impossibly remote and uh, a thing that they are not connected with, whereas Spain was a conflict which animated passions because many people uh, across the Western world um, were intimately connected with it uh, because they saw in Spain uh, the mirror of their own futures. The intellectual Noel Annan, who was at Cambridge University when the war began, um, said that um, the, the left intelligentsia um, was obsessed by the outcome of the war and the hopefully the defeated fascism. But the uh, pro-Franco sympathies that existed in Britain shouldn't be ignored either. Tom Dryberg, the famous uh, journalist uh, and later uh, Member of Parliament, said that um, the, he describes a pro-Franco meeting at the Queen's Hall in London in April 1938, um, where the platform bore a rich load of furs, jewels, spats and paunches and well-modulated voices shouted out, Viva Franco, as if the words were English. As I've previously said in this podcast several times before, and indeed George Orwell has said, uh, the Spanish Civil War really is a class war. The uh, struggle by the generals is directed at the workers and the peasants of Spain to really put them back into their place in the most bloodthirsty manner Possible And after in the 20s and 30s there is a widespread anxiety in Europe, uh, in Britain, in America uh, and uh, in other First World countries that uh, as re- following the Russian Revolution the working classes are basically unmanageable and a, a dreadful threat. And what of the appeal of fascism to the uh, upper classes uh, and upper middle classes in Great Britain? Not all of them, by any stretch of the imagination, were fascist, but those who were within the upper classes looked upon it in generally in class terms, that this is how you can defend yourself against the evils of Bolshevism. Robert Graves, the First World War um, veteran and poet, um, writer of I Claudius and all that, um, said, never since the French Revolution... Had there been a foreign question that has so divided intelligent British opinion? He referred, obviously, to the Whig, Edmund Burke, and his detractors, uh, Burke, who thought the French Revolution was a terrible thing and the unleashing of mob uh, rule. I mean, this becomes the kind of the founding idea, really, of conservatism, that um, if change at all must happen, it must be gradual and moderate and slow and must not give in to the animal passions of the mob. Um, and many people disagree with him. Anyway. Part of the appeal of Spain, why there are volunteers who go there, is that other than uh, punch-ups with Mosley's black shirts on the streets of London and other cities up and down Great Britain, there isn't um, a real battlefield on which to fight fascism until, obviously, in 1936, when there is. Um, David Gascoigne, the uh, British poet, um, a friend wrote to him saying, You'll feel you will feel you're alive out there here everything is so unreal implying that the thrill of um, combat of battle um, had gave an added sense of aliveness but also a sense of unreality to many people that went, went out to fight there were those that put the toe in the water like W. H. Auden, um, the famous um famous poet. Uh, Auden popped out to Spain temporarily, um, and returned. Um there were a sort of the fellow traveller movement, of which I've spoken about um extensively, who Uh, often took essentially package tours to Russia to see how Stalinism was working out. Um, The fellow traveller movement also quite liked to go to Spain, um, where they could find the sort of authenticity and um, proletarian verve that seemed to be uh, missing in complacent old Great Britain. Most of those don't go near the front line um, and they come home fairly swiftly. Many who came home hadn't been shot at by the nationalists, but they had seen um, communists, social democrats, uh, anarchists and Basque separatists uh, fighting with one another. And many came home with quite a dim and pessimistic view of the left that it would never organise itself sufficiently to be able to uh, take on fascism, which was a, a fair assessment. Anyway, I'll finish there. Um, I hope you found this useful and helpful, and uh, if you are able to, and you can check out our Patreon page, um, give us a uh, a donation. That would be greatly received. And also, if you can, give us a a review on the Explaining History iTunes page, um, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. All the best. Bye-bye.